Welcome to episode seven, lucky seven of the Diary of an Entrepreneur. I'm Danny Lacey, and right now I'm going through the pains of growing a business from the ground up. As CEO and founder of a video marketing company, I've got the responsibility and accountability of having employed over 25 staff, some of them still with me, by the way, servicing over 150 clients, generating revenue of over two million pounds, and dealing with the stress and anxiety of growing a business, including times where we almost lost everything forever etched in my mind. Uh, this is the Diary of an Entrepreneur. So this one is titled The Biggest Challenges of Growing and Leading a Team. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the biggest challenges of hiring and firing staff, recruitment, onboarding, coaching, HR, dealing with personalities, the whole hiring slow, firing fast thing, uh, the difference a good versus bad hire can make, and I'll be sharing my experiences of hiring and managing staff over the years. So let's get started with the diary of an entrepreneur. Uh, but first, as ever, we always take a little look back at the business, the business that I am currently CEO of, Starter Media Video Marketing, and uh, we just take a look back at the week, uh, just again to give you a little idea of where we're at with stuff, because that's what this whole podcast is about, really, growing a business, and this is the business that we're growing, so it makes sense to give you a bit of an insight and update. So uh, it's it's we've had one of, and this is great news, we're celebrating, we've been celebrating, we've just had the biggest sales month on record and we're only nine days into the month at the time of recording this podcast, all right? So that is, I mean, just beyond amazing. And that just uh, is testament to the hard work that the whole team is putting in from those creating content, keeping clients happy, uh, through to the sales and marketing team who have really started to ramp things up and we're definitely making a noise and, um, and people are beginning to see the value in what we can bring and therefore that's uh, coming through in the sales. So uh, super happy about that. Uh, we've been working on some boring, yawn, but important accounts, systems and procedures to help streamline client and supplier invoices and payments. So purchase order numbers, supplier qualification, etc. Uh, this is to make sure that we're getting best value from our suppliers to help continue to improve our services for our clients. And uh, the bigger we get and the more transactions there are, there just needs to be more robust processes in place to make sure that everything's tracked and accounted for and all that jazz. Uh, we're seriously ramping up our internal marketing efforts uh, at the minute as well. Lots of campaigns in the pipeline. So I've been spending a lot of time with our new marketing manager, Dave, uh, going through those and uh, signing things off. I'm also looking at options for ways we can give back as well uh, to uh, business. And this bit's really, really important. How can we make a positive impact on those who need help? So we're planning to launch something in the new year and uh, I will, of course, keep you posted. That's our kind of feel-good thing, our little gooey, gooeyness of uh, something cool that we can give back and help with people. Uh, team are busy with lots of cool projects at the minute, including an educational project for a Chinese audience, which is super cool. And we've also got a few ideas for this year's Remote Christmas Works Do because uh, of COVID and all that. So uh, we're heading into the virtual world of online office parties. All right. Back to this episode of the Diary of an Entrepreneur. Uh, okay, part one. Uh, five biggest challenges when growing a team, all based on experiences that I've been through uh, whilst growing this business over the last uh, 10 years plus now. Um, so five biggest challenges. Number one 
is recruitment. And for me, it's very much a chicken and egg scenario. Uh, without clients, you can't grow a business. And without a team, yourself included, you can't grow a business. And so at which point do you take on staff? And at which point do you put your foot to the floor, stretch capacity and take on more clients? And, uh, you know, we've, if you if you run a business, you'd have been at this moment uh, where you, it was you working from home and an opportunity came and um, decisions had to be made because if I do this and commit to this, I'm going to have to employ people because I couldn't do it physically do that on my own. Um, it was a moment that happened for me with the client that I mentioned in a previous episode when we set up a TV channel on Sky for a client. Uh, it was a six-figure project. At that moment in time, it was me working at home and I just knew uh, that the minute that contract landed that it was time to start um, hiring people. But before that, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was working with a lot of freelancers and and I was happy. But in fairness, my business really wasn't going far. It was a lifestyle business and I'm an entrepreneur and that's not what I don't want to be a self-employed person. And I certainly didn't want um, just a, you know, a, a standard lifestyle business, just keeping a roof over my head. I wanted growth. I wanted to build something and legacy and, and all that jazz. Um, so so yeah, so that kind of so at, at which point you take on staff is going to be different for everybody. And, um, you know, all businesses reach that threshold moment as well, where it's uh, where you need to make smart decisions. So you know that the team are going to get stretched and it's time to hire. And do you know what? If you are at that stage where you are getting stretched at full threshold, full capacity, and you're unable to hire people because of cash flow and stuff, then it's there's, for me, there's deeper problems in the business. Uh, because if you are busy and at full stretch, there should be profit in the business. Um depending on where you're at with, with growth, obviously. But, um, so yeah, so it, you know, that all businesses, they reach a threshold where something has to give, we either have to turn the work away or, you know, we have to grow as a business. And, and I guess you need to know, you know, where you want your business to be. I've got very, uh, and it's taken me years to get here, but I've got very clear goals for the business, for the vision for the business and know where our limits are, where I want us to stop where our end goal is. And I'm working um, towards that. So who do you hire first? You know, where do you find, and where do you find the right kind of candidates? And what will our interview process look like? Questions that I often asked myself during the early phases of recruitment, certainly when I was working on my own and I knew I was going to have to hire somebody. It was like, all right, so who am I going to hire? And where do I find them? How do I go through and, 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 and interviews? I've never done interviews before in my life. What, what, what am I going to have to do? Um, what kind of questions should I be asking? And, you know, it was all wet behind the ears stuff, not experiencing that at all. Now it's, it's different, much more experienced, have much better processes um, in place to deal with all that sort of stuff. So problem number one, and then recruitment. So when to hire, this is often uh, led through necessity, as I've just said, new clients coming in, revenue increasing along with workload. And suddenly, you know, you're working 24 seven um, in the office at home, it's time, it's basically, it's time to recruit or to uh, fire some clients and uh, just stick to uh, what you can handle in a uh, fair working hour, not 24 um, seven. Is there truly a right time to hire? I'm not sure there is from my experience. I think a hundred, I'm not sure there is a 100% correct time to do it. I think it's more of a 80 to 90% um, more of an 80 to 90% correct time if you're the cautious type. And there's a 40 to 60% correct time to do it um, if you're a little bit on the ad adventurous time. And what I mean by that is if you're more cautious, you're going to hold off, hold off, hold off, 
um, and wait for the, you know, almost perfect time. Whereas if you're a bit more adventurous like myself, you're going to be wanting to be several steps ahead and it's a bit of a gamble. We're going to hire now. Let's let's get let's get ready. Let's get prepared. This job, these these things are coming in. They're all planned for. They're all signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, and so let's grow. Let's grow the business now. Let's not let's not wait any any longer. So there isn't a hundred percent correct time to hire. I don't believe. Um, it just depends what kind of business you owner you are and the type of business that you're running, I guess. Um, I try to hire slightly ahead of the growth curve, uh, and I'm always looking for talent and building relationships uh, with potential new recruits for the business. And I do a lot of this on LinkedIn and when I'm out networking and when I'm uh, scouring YouTube for the latest cool videos, I'm always trying to find the people behind these projects and um, and seeing if they could be a potential fit for the business in the future and then reaching out and connecting with them and building up those relationships. You know, we're, as business owners, we're very sales heavy. We're building those relationships with clients, trying to develop those sales relationships. Um, whereas I'm also focused on team um, because, as I mentioned earlier, you can't grow a business without team and clients and all that. So getting the right team in place to grow the business as you want to grow it is really important. And you can't always get that through the normal recruitment routes. So, you know, the websites and the recruitment agents and all that kind of thing. Sometimes you have to go um, through the a back door, shall we say, and uh, it's your job as the head of the business um, to, to do that. And so I spend a lot of time um, building relationships with potential talent that could fold into the business um, in the future. And um, so I always trying to keep ahead of the growth curve for me, but a bit more cautious these days than I used to be. Uh, but still, you know, I, I tend not to dilly-dally around. If a decision needs to be made and we need to hire people, we just need to get on with it. You know, let's find somebody. Um, and I've mentioned this before, but I manage my team uh, like a, a football team. So that's my metaphor. And I'm probably going to do a whole podcast on this because I think it's really fascinating. And it does work and not everybody's into football. I get that. But um, still, you could find your own metaphor. But instead of that uh, top down organizational chart thing that we all tend to work to as a rule of thumb, uh, it, for me, we're all on a level playing field and we're part of the same team and we all have jobs to do and we're all collaborating together because it's a team sport. Growing a business, I don't care what anybody says, growing a business is a team sport. We all have our roles to play. And if we all play those roles to the best of our ability, the business will grow. So that's how I've grown my business is how I've done it for years. And I, you know, many times I'll, and this sounds crazy, but I'm just going to share it. That's the whole point of this podcast. So I'll grab a piece of paper and I'll, I'll just sketch out my football team. I'll have a goalkeeper, my defense, my midfield attackers. Uh, I'll have a B team. I'll have a substitutes. There'll be a coaching team. So it's a full like football team setup. And that's just because I'm a football fan and I'm, I'm, I'm more of a football manager type fan as opposed to playing football. Although I did used to play football when I was younger, but right now I love football management. I love the art behind it, the data, uh, the strategy behind it. Um, I just love it. So that's how I grow my business. Um, as strange as that might sound, but it does, it really does, uh, it really does work. So when it comes to recruiting, um, I, I'm managing everything like a football team and that includes scouting for new players, scouting, scouting for new talent. Uh, which I think plays a really important part of managing your football team. Uh, sometimes the traditional recruitment route just doesn't work to the level that you need it. It's uh, it, and you know, and then it's it's time to headhunt. And you can, you know, you've got access to people on LinkedIn's probably the most powerful one, but you can view CVs online all over the place. 
Uh, there are these brilliant portfolio websites. If you're looking for people in the creative industries, uh, Behance and, and all those others, there's many of them out there. You can do a lot of headhunting, Google searching, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I think for me, it's really important to start looking around and seeing uh, who's nearby or who can work remotely in whatever part of the world. I, we try and recruit as local as we can. Um, and that's just the way we want to grow things at this moment in time. Uh, but we've worked with people up and down the country and indeed around the world. Um, so, uh, so yeah, headhunting, I think really important. And I say it gets tougher to recruit when it's just you in the business. Uh, and I really believe this. Um, it's tougher to recruit when it's just you in the business and you're hiring your first or second uh, member of staff than when you're at five, six, seven plus staff. For me, I really struggled with who to hire first. This is where my to-do list became my biggest recruitment tool. And it's a phrase that I use a lot in my content. Uh, my biggest recruitment tool is my to-do list. And I review that to-do list day in, day out. And I look at the things that I shouldn't be doing as the head of the business. And I figure out how I can outsource it, delete it, delegate, etc. Um, and it gets a little easier, I believe, once we're at five plus staff. Because, and now... I've got a very clear roadmap for my team formation in the coming months and years. So recruitment's a little less daunting for me. It's a, I'm a little less clueless as to what and who I need. But when you're at, like I say, those first couple of hires, it is literally a finger in the air moment, uh, which sounds uh, which sounds daft. But, you know, uh, there'll be people listening to this that I'm sure have been there before where I know I need staff, but who do I, who do I have first? Um, and it's a very important question, and I don't think there's a set answer for it, apart from, you know, what are you doing too much of that you need to hire somebody for, I guess. Then there's the whole interviewing process. So early days, I was an instincts man, The uh, and this resulted in more misses than wins, I'm afraid. So yeah, I'd interview somebody. I would hire sometimes without even meeting them. It'd be a phone call. Yes, you sound great. Can you come in and let's, let's, let's trial you for a week and let's see how we get on, and then they'd end up being hired. But it just resulted in more misses than wins. And I realized and discovered that recruitment is, again, an art in and of itself. There is a strategy, a, a real focus needed and experience in interviewing. Uh, and the interview process has definitely evolved lots over the years. And right now I'm fully focused on finding the right talent with the best possible personality fit with the business. I'm going to repeat that again. Finding the right kind of talent but with the best possible personality fit with the business. For me, it's 30, 40% skill and talent and uh, 60, 70% attitude, personality. Are they the right kind of fit for this business? Because you can have the most talented people on the planet working for you, but if they're, if they're a bad egg, if they've got a, the wrong attitude, bad personality, uh, they've got no get up and go, um, they don't like you or your business or whatever, they're going to be a bad fit and it'll end up kicking you in the backside in the long run. So um, I'm big on the whole personality uh, thing. Um, so at the moment, we work on a four-phase interview process, which sounds excessive, and it probably is, but there's a reason for it. Method in the madness. So phase one is generally a short video on why we should be hiring you. So we send out these job descriptions to all the usual platforms. I'll share it online and everything. And in there, it'll say, um, send us your CV. Great. But we want a short video, no more than two minutes on why we should hire you for this position. And that one process filters out a lot of people that aren't asked about your business or working for you. Just They're just, they're just casting the net to find the nearest job. And so you get rid of a lot of that uh, just through that process because most of them don't even read the bit that says, 
we need you to send us a video. And they're not the right person for your business. Number two is a project-based test. So you've been invited back because of the video. And now we're asking you to do a little test in your area of expertise based on what we do. And um, so, and, and you've got a couple of days to, to do that. Phase three is then an in-person interview with my team, my senior members of my team. And then the fourth stage is an interview with me. And it's at this stage that we're down to the, maybe the final three candidates. And I don't really need to go through their CVs. I don't really need to figure out if they're actually got the skills and talent for the work because that's already been done through the first three stages. Now it's more about, are they going to fit in with the vision that I have for the business? So it's four processes, four phases. But the reason for the four phases is it does a really good job of filtering out those that have no interest in working for your company. And what you end up with are candidates that are willing to put in the effort. And that is oh so important. And, um, you know, it's worked out really well for us. And it's something that we're definitely going to stick with um, for future. It might sound excessive to some people, but hiring is a massive commitment. It's huge. It's a big gamble as well because people can interview really well. But then when they get to the job and the work, they just they just aren't able to cut the mustard. So you have to have some process in place, I think, that filters out those people that are just going to be no good for your business. And it's usually the lazy ones that can't be asked going through those processes. But those that get to stage four, you know that they're good, solid candidates. And that was proven in the last batch of recruitment we did for the marketing manager job. The three final candidates were awesome. They were absolutely brilliant. And it was a really difficult decision to be made, uh, but we made the right one in the end. Uh, then there's number two. Uh, of the uh, challenges with uh, working with uh, hiring and firing, onboarding. So this would normally be a list of things that need to be done prior to starting employment with us and tasks to complete during the first few weeks. And it's definitely something, again, if you're thinking about hiring, this is something you should be doing from day number one. All right. Having an onboarding uh, system process in place, going from showing them around the office, showing them where everything is, the health and safety things, um, starter packs, logins for all the emails and the apps that you use and going through the company handbook, all that sort of stuff, getting them aligned with who, what your business is and the personality of the business. Um, but now with uh, COVID, uh, obviously it's taken a surreal turn. I haven't actually met my latest recruit. So our marketing managers, talking about this recruitment bit a minute ago, but Dave, my new marketing manager, I've not actually met him in person yet. This is absolutely insane when you think about it. Uh, it's all been done via video chat. My team, my senior team have met him, uh, but then COVID got in the way and, and we were working remotely at the minute. So, but I've not met him in person. Lots of conversations, obviously over video, but I've never met him in person. Desperate to get in a room with him just to shake his hand and just have a chat to him that isn't via dodgy technology at times. Um, but it's working. There's been absolutely no interruption on Dave getting started. And in fact, I'd say it's a more productive way of doing things, which, you know, a year ago, talking like this would have been just nonsensical, but it's the world we're living in and uh, it, it, we're making it work, which is, which is great. But having an onboarding process, I think is really important. And I want this to evolve. We're not perfect at it. We could be much better, but because it's me doing it all at the minute, uh, it just, it, it's just, uh, time is really stretched at the minute for me as it is. And, and, and I think I need somebody in the business eventually who will help with that, bringing people in onboarding. And uh, it'll be, you know, I want people to feel special when they arrive at work for their first day. Um, and it's, you know, buying them uniform and, and gifts and having everything set up, ready to go and, and meeting the team and going for drinks with the team and having just, I want a whole process to make the people feel like gold when they come to this company. Um, it's just difficult at the moment. 
but it's something that I'm very uh, conscious of. And you should be as well. If you're a business owner and you're thinking about hiring staff for the first time, um, make them feel special. You've got to remember and appreciate what they've gone through. Not only have you gone through a process, but they've gone through a process as well. They might have lost a job. They might have been made redundant. It might be their first job. And so it's a big deal for them. It's a huge deal. It's a, it's a life, it, their life changes. It's that big. So, you know, making them feel comfortable on day one, they're going to be nervous. They're going to be worried, low in confidence because they don't know much about your business and all that. So having some systems in place to make them feel special when they arrive at your business, I think, you know, has, has a huge knock on effect. We haven't always been great, but I, I am conscious of it and I want us to be better at it. Okay. Uh, problem number three that we come across cash flow. Can I afford new staff? which uh, I guess the answer for most will probably be no. You know, there's never really a good time financially to hire. Uh, there's always an argument to not hire financially because you end up saving a load of money and and that's fine. But then the workload starts to bottleneck and we have car crash situations. And so I don't think anybody really, most businesses can't really afford to hire too soon. Uh, but hiring new staff could free up so much time, which in return will deliver so much more value um, for the business just in your time. If you added up and worked out how much your time's worth to your business, and there's a formula for doing that, you'd be astounded. And if you're doing those jobs that you could be paying somebody £15, £20 an hour to be doing compared to your hundreds of pounds an hour, it's a no-brainer. Uh, but again, the value is not just saving on cash, but it's the value it could bring and saving your valuable time. And it might be a short term hit against cash flow, but if you hire smart, it could pay dividends in the end. It could mean you could get work out quicker. If you're hiring sales or marketing, then you know they could uh, they could generate more revenue and so pay for pay for itself. Um, so yeah, it's it, you know it, it could be like I say, it could be a short term hit, but. Again, if you're smart, it could pay dividends in the end. My first hire freed up about 75% of my time at that moment. And within just a few months, I was able to do what I do best, and that's grow the business. Whereas before I was getting embroiled in a lot of admin and I was going out filming, which I love doing, by the way. But when I'm running a business, I just didn't have the luxury of time to be able to do that. And everything else was getting affected. And it was just a nightmare. So uh, my first hire just relieved so much pressure off my shoulders and meant that we could grow much quicker. And in an ideal world, we would all have uh, three months of operating costs in the bank at all times. The reality is, of course, is a very, uh, very different matter. And and very few companies can afford to have three months of operating costs in the bank for, for, at all times. We may get there occasionally, but then something crops up and we need to dip into that. Um, so it's just, it, it's great to go. I mean, when we started, I wasn't thinking about having three months of operate. We were living month to month which is probably a mistake, a very big mistake. Whereas now we're much more focused on having enough cash in the bank to keep us going for a few months should we hit any any difficult or hard times. Uh, and so it's a, a little less stressful. So it's definitely worth, but it's not always going to be the case um, in, a, in reality. And make no mistake, it will impact cash flow. And you might have to start by hiring inexperienced talent to start with, which will cost less and be less of a strain on cash flow. Um, and can get you going, but you will eventually need to hire more experienced and skilled talent if you are truly going to grow the business. And I guess a mistake I made in the early days was I was hiring too much of that inexperienced, I, I hate using the word entry level because that's not fair. And I'm trying to think of a word that is not disrespectful, but sums up what I'm trying to say. And I guess 
inexperienced. Oh, let's just stick with inexperienced works. You get, you know, postgrads, people that are just fresh to, you know, fresh to this, that, that working environment, that industry or whatever it might be. Um, so you can, you can pay less, um, just through lack of experience. Um, obviously all legal and above board, by the way, just FYI. But I think I was employing too much of that in the early days and, and it ended up costing me in time for managing all that. Um, and it was a while before I made a significant investment with, with hiring uh, a more experienced and more expensive member of the team, but it paid off and had a massive effect on revenue and the team um, very quickly. And that person was somebody that was then uh, hired to manage the team, look after the team so I could step back a little bit. And, th- and that changed everything, let me tell you. Uh, number four uh, of the five that we're touching on this part is coaching, training and development. So when it's just a handful of you in the business, it's you that will be responsible for coaching, for training, uh, developing your team, dealing with HR, health and safety issues, making sure the office is a safe place to work, etc, etc. You will be very involved in all areas of your team's work and it won't be until you get to seven plus staff or so that you start to introduce a management tier. Uh, And even then you're still heavily involved with managing a team. Uh, And so you should consider that when hiring staff that Yes, it's great because they take the burden off some of the workload, but this you're still gonna it's still demanding. There is still commitment from you for a long while until you're way up in the twenties, thirties staff when you can probably then truly step back if you want to and you've got the right management structure in place. And going back to my football metaphor. You need to coach each member of the team, help them improve in their area of expertise, but you also have to work on their collaborative skills as well. Fitting in, working with the team, uh, keeping in line with the company's vision and goals and work ethos. Uh, And you need to be incredibly observant and you need to be able to assess your team individually and as a team. And this involves, this needs expertise. Uh, which you might not have, you need to then figure out where the improvements need to be made and how to make those improvements. And each member of my team has a number and it's based on three key things, talent, effectiveness on the business and attitude. And I mark them on those three things. And it gives me some indication as to where we're at and how they're performing within the team and what what we need to improve on. Um, so every, I believe that a, a business needs a scorecard, it needs a number, but I think the individual members of the team also need uh, a number. And what that number is, is entirely up to you and how you want to grow and work with that team. And number five, final bit of this part, dealing with personalities and HR. Everyone is different and unique. And this is something I learned very quickly. I thought I was a good people's person. I thought I was good at working people out until I started hiring staff when I realized I knew nothing. Everyone responds differently to instructions and advice. And not everyone is going to be a perfect fit for your business and you will need to compromise. It's all about compromise, especially if you want to grow a a, a diverse workforce. You don't want everybody being the same. You don't want robots or clones of individuals. You want, you want diversity within the workplace. Okay. Whatever that diversity is, you need it. You want it within your business. The R is learning how to manage many personality types. And I'll be honest, it's not my strong point. I believe that everyone just instantly understands what I'm asking for. Sometimes I can come across as a little bit abrupt and maybe a little vague at times. However, 
I'm self-aware enough to know this and I often joke about it with the team as well. They all know me quite well by now anyway. Uh, So that's why I want to hire a level of management that are much better than me at working with different personalities. And that's something that we're working on in the business. I don't have direct management on most of my team now. I've got a layer of management in place. I have conversations with them. They then deploy to the rest of the team. And the only time I chat with the team is when we have our one-to-ones, which we do every month. And it's just a chance for me to have a non-management type of chat. It's just how you're getting on, what could we be doing better as a business to make your job more enjoyable, and so on and so forth. So, uh, And that's a much better place to be in. And it's taken me years to get to that. And and I hope that continues. Uh, and so my mentor, for example, uh, I've got a business mentor, I have done for a few years now. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to get him on the future podcast and get him to give you an open and honest uh, review of being a mentor and uh, and rip me apart, I think would be quite interesting. Um, but he's, uh, he's, he's absolutely brilliant at managing people and he's been helping me improve in this area. And it is working. There'll be times when uh, something happens in the business, somebody does something that isn't, isn't exactly as I want it to be, or a, a little slight negative feedback from a client, which might not be a big deal, but because I'm obsessive over that sort of stuff, you know, I want to just, I want to have a word with them and, and have it out with them and just say that that's, but then John's like, no, Danny, you have to calm down. You have to relax. You have to approach this differently. Remember personalities. Da, 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 da. And it's helped. It really has helped. It's a filter process and it's something that's helped me be a better people person. Uh, still improvements need to be made, by the way, but having a mentor has definitely helped with that. You should get a mentor immediately, uh, by the way. Highly advise you do that. Uh, You are a business owner at the end of the day, and we do things differently, and we can often be misunderstood. We can often be like bull in a china shop. We don't mean to be for the most part, but we're stressed. We've got all these things going on. Therefore, we should not be unleashed on our team as that team grows, because I don't believe that business owners, entrepreneurs make the best people management people, um, the the best managers of people is what I'm trying to say. Uh, some do, some are really good at it. I, don't get me wrong. We're not all, but most in my experience, um, you know, sometimes we're, we're a different breed when it comes to uh, managing people. Uh, but it's just because of the, all the stuff that we've got going on and that we have to deal with. And we expect everybody to just understand what it is that we're saying. And the best thing I ever did was hire a company to look after our HR responsibilities to make sure that we're acting as a responsible employer. And this is something that you must do from day one. The minute you hire somebody, you need to hire or get some advice from a HR person looking to the whole health and safety, insurance, and all of that. Massively, massively important. All right, part two, hiring slow, firing fast. And is this just BS? I'm trying to avoid swearing on this podcast, um, but you know what I mean when I say the letters BS. I think it's BS. I've yet to meet anyone in business who follows this rule. Nobody. We're human at the end of the day. We like to give people second chances and in some cases, third, fourth and fifth chances. Should I have fired faster in the past for underperformance? Uh, Absolutely. 100% yes. But people have lives and they have their own personal stuff going on and you should be aware and observant enough to see this. You know, don't get angry. Talk. Do some digging and figure out where the problems lie Uh, instead of going in there again like a bull in a china shop and just destroying everything. Um, if you if you've given them one chance after another, and they're still not performing where you need them to be, or following in simple instructions seems to be difficult to help you grow your business, then it's time to get advice from your HR team, and it is definitely time to move them on. It's the harsh reality of it. Um, I believe in the following. I believe in following your heart for the early stages of any performance review procedures. 
but there comes a point when the business hat needs to be placed firmly on your head and those tough but incredibly important decisions need to be made. And it's easy for me to say that, but in reality, I've been here before where I know I should have got rid of somebody sooner, uh, but I just didn't. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt, of the doubt, of the doubt, time and time again, third chance, fourth chance, 10th chance, and eventually, eventually pulled the plaster off and and fired them. Uh, but I should have done that a, a, a lot, lot sooner. And I've, I've been there a few times. I genuinely do not enjoy firing someone. Uh, I've only had to do it a couple of times. And I'll tell you what, it was the best decision each time. And once that plaster was ripped off, everything changed. I also don't believe in hiring slow either. Sometimes you do have to move quickly uh, to be able to take advantage of opportunities. It might be a new client that's come in, they're offering you a massive deal and you need to grow quickly. And my, my motto is always be prepared. I'm constantly recruiting. And again, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. That is so important. Don't just be recruiting when you feel like you need to recruit. Be constantly recruiting. If you can afford it and you're big enough, have somebody working in your HR team who's always recruiting, always looking out for that next talent uh, to bring into the business as and when you need them always. Whether it's freelancers, if you've got to outsource stuff, constantly looking out for that. Get your team, get their eyes open and get them observing and seeing what's out there and, and build those relationships Uh, as soon as you possibly can. Part three, final part of this podcast, the difference a good versus a bad hire can make. And I've been here a few times. A bad hire can kill so many aspects of your business. One person can destroy confidence and morale within a team without you even knowing. And I've been here. A bad hire could kill your business just as much as bad cash flow. I've been blindsided in the past, believing that everything was perfect, team were getting along, all clients were happy, and so on and so forth. All that was happening was certain bad hires in the business were hiding things from me and the team, and they were creating or letting a little bit of bad rot setting into the woods, into the woodwork, and um, it just got worse and worse and worse until eventually it reared its ugly head and we had to make some decisions and move move people beyond, uh, 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 move people away, so we say. Uh, the bad hires were put in minimal effort, anything above the bare minimum, and they will let you know about it. And listen, all businesses go through this. There are times when we all just have to roll our sleeves up and put in a little extra bit of work to get things over the line. That's life. That's just the way it is. All right. And whether you get paid overtime for that or not, or days in lieu or time in lieu or extra perks and benefits, or whether your business that you're working for is incredibly flexible, therefore you don't mind putting in the extra work. It's, we all go through it. All right. Yes, there are companies that take the PIWS and they should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, but for the most part, it's just a genuine love of the job and all on the same page wanting to grow the business. But there will be some people that do nothing, are lazy and cannot be asked. Once they're through the door, that's it. I'm done. Feet up, game over. And that's not good for your business. Um, so anyway, they'll put in minimal effort, do the bare minimum, and they will badmouth you to staff, to clients, and suppliers. I've had suppliers and clients come to me and mention a few things that have gone on and I've been gobsmacked and um, it's happened. It's happened and I'm sure it will happen at some point again in the future. Hopefully not, touch wood. Uh, But you will end up having to do more work in the long run and a good hire, all right, can grow your business overnight. 
they can increase team morale, your mo- your mo- your own motivation. You as the head of the business, they can they can rub off on you as far as making you feel better about things and 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 raise your enthusiasm for business. They can introduce you to new ways of doing things, things that you'd never even thought of before, which is great. The quicker you can get there, the better. And having a mixture of experienced and talented team members working alongside those that might be new to this world or this industry uh, can work incredibly well as well. Again, the whole football uh, metaphor, you've got players in a football team that have been around a bit. They're in knocking on 30s door and they've uh, been to cup finals. They've won league championships and medals and all that sort of stuff. They've got that experience. And then there's the youth players that are coming through that haven't had any of that experience, but because they're working alongside somebody who has, they get to share some of that knowledge. And it's the same kind of thing. All right. You, you might have a different metaphor, but you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, interesting thought, interesting insight uh, into it. Uh, but yeah, the difference between a good versus a bad hire um, is just, uh, it, it's insane. You know, a bad hire uh, could literally, literally destroy everything. All right, on that note, that's it. Lessons learned in this episode, um, in my experiences. And again, even though it might come across like I'm trying to teach people things here, by the way, it's, it's not. I'm just sharing stuff that I've gone through and you can take from it what you want to say from it. So lessons learned, hire sooner than you think you need to. Team formation has been really helpful in me growing my business. Uh, Think about who needs to be doing what and what that impact is on the team and clients. Uh, Working with different personalities is an art form. If people management isn't your area of expertise, find somebody who can do this for you, who is better at it and can get more out of people and not wind people up the wrong way. Second chances are good for anyone under performance review. You might need to dig deeper to see what truly is going on under the hood. It might be fixable. In fact, 99.9% of the time, it is probably fixable. And you don't then have to go through the whole recruitment process again. A simple conversation or several conversations could fix so much. Uh, However, if they're not responding at all to your second chances, then pull that plaster off and fire quickly. Hiring staff is a massive responsibility a huge demand on your time and in the early days which kind of sounds counterintuitive uh, but it does pay off in the long run bad hires can kill your business so make sure you have a good interview filter process in place and never hire when desperate ever it's like you shouldn't go uh, shopping in the supermarket when you're hungry same kind of thing Uh, and you you cannot wish people to be good and look after your team keep in touch with them talk to them ask them how their day is going Ask them about their family, what drives them, what's important to them right now, and do whatever you can to keep them happy. Good talent with the right attitude is like rocking horse. Yes, you all know what that word is. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Diary of an Entrepreneur, an open and honest account of how I'm attempting to grow a video media business from the ground up. And I must stress, again, not trying to teach you anything. I'm just sharing my journey and experiences. And if it motivates you, then job done. You can follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. I'm all over social media. And if you want to reach out to me directly, please drop me an email. You might have some feedback on a particular episode or more that you would like to add. Or if there's anything you want me to cover in a future episode, drop me an email. This is my direct email, dannylacey at stardamedia.co.uk. Lacey, L-A-C-E-Y, at stardam, S-T-A-D-A, media.co.uk. 
Thanks again for listening and join me on the next episode of the Diary of an Entrepreneur. 